Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera, the show where I get to talk to iconic, creative, curious artists and find out how they got that way. And in this episode, I sit down with actor Javier Bardem. Born in Spain, Javier Bardem comes from a long line of artists and filmmakers, but his love of cinema officially took shape when his mother, a working actress herself, snuck him into a movie theater to see Bob Fosse's All That Jazz when he was six years old. It wasn't exactly a Disney movie, but that didn't matter. Javier was in awe. He wondered, what is this mechanism of people, feelings, dance, music, colors, drama, nudity, and comedy? I want to be part of that. His passion and dedication to the craft are evident in his work. Take his award-winning performances in the Coen Brothers' No Country for Old Men and Inaratu's Beautiful, to name a few. In his newest film, Loving Pablo, Javier takes on the legend and mythology of Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar and takes on an intensity and physicality that was even intimidating to his co-star and wife, Penelope Cruz. But Javier and Penelope know the difference between fiction and reality. As Javier says, at the end of the day, I give her flowers and chocolates and say, that was a lie, even though it's a part of my truth as a human being. Honesty is everything for Javier, even though it's hard to attain on a daily basis. He says, we tell so many lies during the day because we need to protect who we are for others. When you play a character, you have to give up on that and be naked. And that's why actors love acting. It may be the only time in the day when we are honest. Javier joins off camera to talk about how being the target of senseless violence led him to discover his worth as an artist, why his marriage to Penelope Cruz works, and why therapy is the perfect tool for an actor. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hi, Javier. Hello. How are you, Sam? Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. You know, I've admired your work for years. and. What you do and how you disappear into characters is <laughs> astonishing to me. And just last night I saw Loving Pablo. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious about what it felt like to embody that character for so long, to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. inside the physicality. Well, uh, it's fun because even if you play this horrible person that he was, because he was a horrible person, you have to find a way to grab the humanity in it not to excuse him or to justify all these horrible actions that he did, but to understand that he is one of us. Uh, he didn't land on a spaceship from outer space. He, he is one of us, and we have created him by supporting corrupted governments by, that will turn a blind eye on his actions or we, sub- we help them to rise by consuming their product so it's important to run away from the icon, pop icon image that has been recently created about Pablo Escobar that is very dangerous because there is nothing cool and fun and glamorous about him. Actually, when we were shooting, when we were shooting in Colombia, people would come to us to say, please make sure that you don't bring this cool factor to it because our kids, based on some TV shows, are wanting to be Pablo Escobar. It's like, oh, that yeah. is very dangerous. So the portrait that we do in this movie is more about the portrait that I think is more close to what he was in reality. This monster that created so much pain, but also he was a person that was seeking respect and greed 
So when you do this thing as an actor, it's fun because you have to see your own greed and your own need of respect. You have to see those things that are within you and to put your hands into them, take them out and yeah, expose them and be fine with that. So you have to sort of look at those kind of concepts like what respect really means mm -hmm. and what greed really means. Totally, and I think and I, one of the great gifts that we have uh, in this craft, in this job that we do, act, acting, is the, that we are obliged to see the world with different eyes, so many different eyes, as many different characters we play, knowing that we are all of them. Because when you're an actor, you are obliged to turn and see yourself in the mirror and go, okay, now I have to play, let's say, this killer, Don't Country for All Men. I haven't killed anyone, thank God, and I, I, I'm not planning to. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not gonna happen. But did I ever feel the need of killing someone? Yes, of course, like in, a, in an impulse. Like, <sighs> so I think what you're saying is the difference between actors and people walking around in different jobs is they don't have to examine the, that impulse. Exactly. You just don't even think they are there. But we get it. You are in a car, you are tired, and, and you have a traffic discussion with someone, and there's a, a half of a second you go like, ah. Well, that uh, that we all have, an actor is obliged to put it on the table and examine it and make it more, and extend it. Extend it and make it wider and deeper and bigger. So from there you can understand a person who will do that, who will step out of the car and kill someone. But we, ha we all have that thing. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's great to face those things. For me, at least, that's the way it helps me the most to understand from the little details from the little inner details of his behavior and his needs and the way he, not the way, the things that he, that character is looking for, what are his, what are his goals and how does he achieve those goals. And that includes the physicality, that includes the body language. Right. And, uh, and that's the fun part and I love it. Well, <laughs> what you're describing is, sounds almost like therapy. Like, to be able to examine somebody else, do you have to examine yourself? Totally, and you said something that is very true. Uh, I, I know a lot of actors and actresses, uh, of course, friends of mine. Uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if we know what we want in life. I don't know if we can cope with our pain or frustration in the way that we wish we could. But at least when we play characters, we pretend to know what they want and how they cope with it, <laughs> whatever they get it or not. And that's, that's very relieving. It's a relief because at least you know something. <laughs> then you go back to your own life and to your own self and you go, and here I am knowing shit about me, <laughs> but I think I knew about that guy. Uh, or at least you pretend to know. And, and yes, at the end of the day, what you're doing is to, you, you, talk, you mentioned therapy. I think it's very important for any actor to do some therapy. Uh, not because we are un, uh, unstable people, that we are, of course, <laughs> but because we need to know a little bit more about ourselves, you know, to comprehend others. And, and I think that's our job. But still, you really try to uh, get to that point where you leave all your stuff behind and that includes ego and vanity and the need of being liked, the need of being applauded, the need of being rewarded. 
you just leave all those shitty things out of out of the bag and you just become the tool the tool where the character should speak through and that takes a lot of work but for that you need I, I for that you need to know your yourself better in order to really leave those things of yours behind otherwise you will bring it with you not knowing it and and when I see actors that are really capable of doing that which is so difficult I go yes that is a performance that is a real performance of someone becoming some place some someone else with all the insecurity that goes into the idea that you could pull this off in the first place like the tendency to do too much would probably be sure. overwhelming especially in the beginning of a career because to make decisions that don't have to do with ego or vanity maybe maybe you would think well am I doing enough or mm -hmm. are people seeing the performance and the minute you're trying to make them see it then you're not disappearing exactly and you're a great photographer and you know how that is maybe in the beginning you were putting the photo on the frame and and you fulfill the frame with things that were not needed because you wanted to be there in order to grab somebody else's attention and perception of wow he's he's good in bringing those things and at the end maybe what you do uh, is just to put a face and photograph a face and what it's happening behind the mask and that is a great photograph but at the same time there's nothing there to to add it's just being capable and having the skill to really put the lens there and see behind and take a picture of that acting is the same when you started when I started I will do this all kind of things because I want to be approved I want to be liked I want to be wanted and then little by little you grow up and you <laughs> understand that that's not about as that's not about it you have to really understand what you're doing why you're doing it and surrender to the fact that you have to give up and give everything you, that you have in order to to let others speak in my case will be the character that I'm playing yeah. that is the important thing not me <laughs> it's so interesting too because there's obviously so many variables in this case you're playing a real person mm -hmm. but I feel with Pablo Escobar you you've realized that you can make him even more real by making him less accurate totally totally and 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 also uh, was the difference between imitate and perform was the difference between do a great imitation which is not easy I mean there are great people that do great imitations and an actor needs that when you see some videos of Reynaldo Arenas in Before Night Falls or uh, Ramon San Pedro in the sea inside or here Loving Pablo you have to see the videos if you are lucky to have some videos and watch and, and also read what is written and imagine and study those things but that's not the most important thing the most important thing is what's the the strength of his what is the thing that makes him unique how he as we said before behaved how he fought for what he wanted uh, what was his energy what was those things are questions that are trillions of those questions to be answered and most of them you won't answer not even when you finish the movie but you need to make those questions to yourself constantly to not end up doing just an imitation yeah how do you get to the point where you believe it like mm -hmm. where because I, I would imagine you have to make some decisions of just say I'm gonna play this this yeah, way exactly. like is there a period when you don't trust those decisions until you do all the time really <laughs> all the time yeah for me it's uh, I don't know anyone again I, I have some good friends that are uh, again actors and actresses I don't know any of those people 
that will say, yes, I know what I'm going to do. We all go there and say, I don't have any idea. And I don't think it's nice or good or healthy to know what you're going to do and why you're doing it. You better have an idea of why related to the big story. The rest is just perception and intuition and you go with it. Do you think actors become actors because they have a lot of why questions about behavior? I'm, I'm going to turn 50 next year. So I've been around enough <laughs> and I've been working in this more than 30 years now. And my mother is an actress and my grandparents were actors and my uncle was a director. So I've been in there since I was born. And I can say that we're, we are a species of very insecure people uh, that uh, we have a need to express through their characters, through their characters, the way we see life or the way we perceive life. Uh, others will do it through writing, painting, music. We need to get at these guys, uh, put the clothes, the makeup on, and help to understand who we are and what we do here through a character that may explain it for us. But then we leave it and we keep on being those insecure people that we don't know shit what the hell is going on here. <laughs> so I think it's a need of really trying to understand why and how. <laughs> what do you think you love about it so much? Like from your heroes to, to the work you get to do to, to the, the feeling you get in a movie theater mm. when you see something that moves you. What, what is it that, that you love the most? Well, you said something that is very important. Uh, are, you, are you an audience member? Do you like movies? I love movies. Uh, I remember I was seven or six year old when my mom was doing a theater uh, play around Spain and she sneaked me in a theater, a movie theater, uh, to see a movie that I was not allowed to see, which was All That Jazz from Bob Fosse, oh, yeah. which is a masterpiece. And I, I remember being six year old and watching all these naked women dancing about in a movie that it's about a man who's killing himself. <laughs> so it was not like a Disney movie, <laughs> I have to say. But I thank her so much for that because my love for cinema popped up like, it was instant. Like, wow, what is this? I don't understand because it was too young to understand, but what is this mechanism of people and feelings and dance and music and colors and, and drama and comedy? Wow, what is this? I want to be part of that. And um, that day started my love for cinema. So the fact that I can work in what I love is a, is a gift. It's, yeah. it's a gift and that's something that I don't want to uh, give up in, sense, in the sense that I sometimes it's hard. I'm lucky because I got a job and I can work and I can make a living of my job. But most, I mean, 90% of the actors don't work. It's a very tough profession to, to have where you have to be very lucky to make a living out of it. So the fact that I, I can make a living out of it and makes me feel like, wow, I, want, I have to win every role. I have to gain the right of belong here because it's not easy. Do you still feel that way? Oh yeah, every time. Every you do? Time. Yeah. And I, and I think that's because of my heresy, my mom, my family roots, of people that have fought very hard to, to get jobs and to belong to the theater company or to belong to, yeah, to belong to, to have to get a job, to, to, to be fed. Yeah. Some people went, would not be able to ever handle that insecurity, that, uh, yeah, that not knowing what's going to happen from, from now to two months time. We can, or we are forced to 
we're forced to really live with that. And, and it's tough. I've seen everything. I've seen ups and downs on my mom. I've seen a moment where I remember a moment where she was like almost three years unemployed. Really? And three years for any actor, especially if you're a mom, single mom with three kids, is not easy. Oh because also, we all need to get money and we have families, you have family, I have family, and we need to feed them and take them to school and buy clothes. But beyond that, when you are an actor, when they don't call you, you feel like you are not liked, you are not accepted, you are, you know, there's something personal as well. Because you are what you are and you bring your, your tool with you. You are your body, your voice, your looks. When they don't call you, it's, it's more than they don't give you a job. It's more like you are not accepted. So you have to play with that uh, idea and it's, it's not easy. Were you at the age where you could understand some of that going on for your mom? Yeah, yeah, of course, since the very beginning, because we were very, thank God she gave me a great open education. My father was there, uh, but they were separated, and my father was present, uh, less than I would have loved him to be present. So I was raised by my mom and brother and sister, both of them uh, older than me. And we were very bland and openly talking about everything. And, uh, and yes, and we all started working very young, like I started working in different things when I was very young, because I, I need to bring money to the house in order for us to, to keep having warm water. And, uh, so what age were you when you were actually making money? Well, 13, 14, when really? I was studying. So yes, I was very conscious of what it means to be an actor. And, uh, and that's why when I decided to go, my mom looked at me and said, okay, you know what it, what it means, right? You know that it means uh, instability, insecurity, and not knowing what's gonna happen, right? Yes, are you fine with that? I think so. Do you love it? Do you really love what you're doing? Yes, then go with it, because no matter what I'll say to you, you're always gonna be in love with it, and that's what you need to keep reminding to you while you are going up and down. I really love what I do. Do you think some of those things still inform? Oh yeah. Really? Big Is there way. an example of that where, where the world says, oh my gosh, you've made it and you're successful and in your head, it's different? I think, it's funny, I, 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 I shouldn't say this, but people, uh, people that have preconception or ideas of how you would be or how, yeah, you are like, when they meet you or when they met me, they go, oh, I thought you were going to be more whatever. But usually they tend to say, to say something more like, I thought you were going to be more, I don't know the word, like more... Stuck up or... Yeah, more, uh, yeah, yeah, thinking big on yourself. Douchey. I don't know, okay. <laughs> and, and you go, why should I? And they get surprised that you are not. And I always say, what is surprising to me is that some people, they are. What do you think of yourself? Why do you think of yourself bigger, stronger, better than anybody else? Because you got a job, because you're lucky to have a job, because you're lucky that you've made some money doing uh, things. That doesn't make you better. But we live in a society that immediately when you are successful in what you do, whatever, whatever it is, you should be that kind of person that is thinking too big in, in himself. That's what people expect you to be. And that's, that's a disease. What should be normal is people behaving normally and, and saying, yes, I have been successful because I work for it, I may have some skills, I've been lucky, 
fate has been nice so far with me. What power do I have with that? And why would I give myself any power above you because that happened to me? I think when people get to that place, they're so afraid of losing it mm -hmm. that they feel like they have to act a certain way. Totally, because you are scared to death that you will lose it, as you said. I mean, I'm assuming if you grew up without a dad in your house, as a, as a boy trying to become a man, there is there's going to be some wild years or some, sure. some mistakes made. Of or, I mean, what do you attribute to you getting to this point with, with this philosophy or this idea that you have of how people should behave? I mean, that was, that's an education you had to give yourself, I'm assuming. Well, uh, to have a mother, that I, the one that I had, a father that, yes, was not too present, but was very smart and very intelligent. He read, I remember the, li the library of my father in his house. He was huge. He was super tall and wide, packed with books that he will give me every two weeks. Like, he will give me like four or five books to read since I was very young. So he also gave me that, the need of opening the mind to others, opening the mind to other people's stories, other views. Uh, but especially the, the empathy. The empathy, empathy is a great word. Empathy about those who are like you, uh, whether they are richer or poorer, or women or men, black or white, they are like you. And you better accept that because otherwise you are denying the truth and you're denying yourself in that. Uh, and that's something that I learned from my mother from the way she uh, made us understand the world. And yes, on top of that, you do some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey folks, let's take a little break from the conversation so I can tell you about this week's sponsor, Shady Rays. You know, we all wear sunglasses and we've all bought so many pairs of sunglasses over the years and we've lost them or broken them or they've gotten scratched or whatever. But for me, I hate paying so much money for sunglasses. And then I found out about Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company. They're not some big corporation that overcharges for sunglasses. In fact, they're here to change the whole way we think about sunglasses with high quality shades at a much lower price. The crazy thing about Shady Rays is their warranty. It's one of the best warranties in all of eyewear. They'll replace your sunglasses if they're lost or broken for any reason. It doesn't matter what happens, whether you drop them in the ocean or sit on them or run over them with your skateboard or whatever, they'll replace them. And even with that strong of a warranty, they still manage to make quality that I can tell you, holding in my hand, seems just as good as any expensive pair I've ever worn. They have polarized lenses that look perfectly clear, and most Shady Rays are only $48. They also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed, and they've provided over 10 million meals to date. And, you know, I have four or five pairs. They come in all the classic styles. They're durable, they're lightweight, they're great, and they stand behind their product. And they told off camera that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and they do what it takes to get it right. And they have free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. And exclusively for off-camera listeners, they give us the best deal they have to offer. This is a Black Friday level deal. You can use the code CAMERA for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. You buy one, you get one free. That means basically you can get two pairs of sunglasses for $48. Once again, you go to ShadyRays.com, use the code CAMERA for 50% off two or more pairs. These can be redeemed only at ShadyRays.com, where you can find all their newest and best shades. 
take a minute, check out ShadyRays.com. I'm sure you're going to like them. I love them. And uh, let me know what you think. Send me an email, sam at offcamera.com. All right, now back to the show. In reading about your upbringing, there's this story that keeps coming up of, of a fight you were in. Yeah. Can you tell the story of that and, and the impact that that instance had on, on maybe your development as a person or yeah. as an artist? Yeah, I, I was doing this TV series back in the day I was 19, 18, 19 years old. So I was kind of starting to make a job out of this. Uh, I was studying and I was starting to be recognized. So, so you would go into a bar and I was going, people I was would in say, a club. there's that yeah. actor. From yeah, me. I started to have that, which it was kind of cool because you were an 18 or 19 and you go, yeah, it's me. <laughs> you have that thing, no? because you are young and also because you are coming from where you're coming that we discussed before. Uh, you know that being recognized, it's a good thing because that means that you may get a job <laughs> right. uh, after that, no? after that show that you're doing because people sees you, people now recognize your face. Anyway, uh, and then I, there was uh, three or four guys talking and, and I, I said something to the girlfriend of one of his, nothing nasty, nothing bad, um, seriously. Like, hey, hello, how are you? Something like that. I don't remember because I, it was a nightclub, yes, I was drinking, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden uh, I went out and they, Tap on my shoulder, I, I turn, and this guy punched me in the face, and they had fun with my face for a good 30 minutes. Oh my the God. The four of them. Like outside Kick, the bar. Yeah, kicking and every, doing everything. Uh, of course, now, uh, that has it's been so long now, but of course, I rewind so many times to say, what did I do wrong? Nothing. I didn't do anything wrong. And that's the horrible sense identity of violence that yeah. I hate so much. You don't need an excuse. You don't need a reason to become violent. Violent happens. Violence happens. And it destroys around. And that's what happened to me. So another friends of mine that were with me tried to help me. And finally they left and they took me to the hospital and I saw my face in the mirror. And I said, okay, this is done. It's over. It's over before it started. Oh, you, you thought that was, was the end of your acting of course, career? Because it was... This was hanging here, the nose was here, the oh jaw was there. It's like, okay, done. And, uh, and then I had the, the operation of the nose. And, and, uh, and one year after, I was doing Jamon Jamon, which is the movie where I met Penelope, and it was my first important movie. No, Jamon Jamon, no. The Ages of Lulu, which is from the same director same of director. Jamon Jamon. And, and when I asked him, why me? I said, well, because I like your nose. So you never know. <laughs> Do you think that there's something about that that, that opened up? Totally. Well, the, the first thing that, it, that I get from that is that my total rejection to violence. Funny, because I play No Country for All Men. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always said that I, I hate violence. I can't take violence. I, I, I'm the less violent person you can imagine because I, because I suffer it in my own skin, in my system. Uh, and I don't like it. I don't find it exciting or uh, constructive at all, only destructive. And when I mean violence, not only physical violence, I mean emotional violence, psychological violence, and also video games that are violence. I can't. I can't play with that. 
and in our country from a man, I was personifying, I was, I was violence itself. I was a symbolism of what violence represents. Comes out of nowhere, destroys everything around, and leaves without a trace. And that's what happened that day in the bar. That's what happened to Boom. you. And you want to make sense of it, out of it, like Tommy Lee Jones, and you will never make sense out of it. You just live with it. And that's how hard it's for so many people that are suffering violent situations that they have to live with that without making any sense out of it because he doesn't have it. How do you live with that? No. So that's the first lesson that I learned. And the second one is to not uh, put everything, er, every egg on the basket of the physicality, of the body, of the, of the looks. Like back in the day, I realized, I understood that looks are there, but it's not important. Uh, because the looks were destroyed. So if I only give, if I only give the power uh, to the looks, I'm off, I'm done. I better try to I don't know, learn something else, which is about who I am, why would I do what I want to do, learn, go to an acting school, hear from my mom what it's about acting that she likes so much, talk to another colleagues, watch movies, you know, rather yeah. than, than, hey, here I am, and I'm a big guy, I play rugby, and I look cool. Yeah. That was done in less than a minute. <laughs> I think that's such an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting chapter that, that you, you know, it, it forced you to look at yourself differently, I guess. Sure, right? of course, of course. I wonder if going to an acting coach is kind of a form of therapy in a way, too. Totally. Like, is a good acting coach also sort of like a therapist? Oh, yes, and I have the best in the world. I was the first one who knocked at his door in 1990. His name is Juan Carlos Corazza, with two sets. He's from Argentina. He came from Argentina to Spain back in the 90s. Yeah. And I knew of him because I went to a master class uh, of John Strasberg, oh, yeah. Lee Strasberg's son. And I met him there, uh, Juan Carlos, and then he opened the school and I was the first one to knock at the door saying, I would like to, I would like to go to your classes. I said, okay, come in. And we started being five and then 10. And, and now, what, almost 30 years after, he has a great uh, school. I'm blessed to say that I'm his friend and he's my mentor and every role I've prepared with him. And it's, it's a luxury to have him. Do you go there and find there are still areas you haven't opened up or still things to learn? And Totally, uh, totally. Can you think of an example of, of something where, where yeah. all of a sudden you you realize how much you didn't know? Like this year I've been, uh, we were doing two seminaries of uh, three weeks each, and we played Chekhov and Shakespeare and uh, great plays uh, where I would play some scenes uh, on stage with the other actors. Uh, other actors from different ages, or other people that went there to learn. They were actors from 18, 19, 20 years old, and I was one of the oldest, <laughs> and there will be like one of them it was 65, and it's great, because you sit down and you see other actors going through the same that you are going through, and also they see you, some of them expect you to know everything about acting, because right. they've seen you gain an Oscar, and they think that you, get, you have an Oscar, you must be very good. Well, you have an Oscar because you'd be lucky, first of all. But when they see you that you are going through the same insecurity, fears, not knowing where, where you're heading, then it's a great thing for them because then, once again, we are all the same. And 
you go to those to that space to I would say to especially leave your tricks, leave your knowings, leave your tendencies out of the picture. So when you go next to work, you don't do the same over and over and over and over. Right. You try to be as honest as you can, but also don't bring all the back of the things that you know work. Like if I go like this, or if I go like that, it's like, no, 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 none of that. Uh, don't, don't be fake, don't lie, don't pretend, don't manipulate, just Let's try to be as honest as we can when we do a role. And that's hard because it's hard to be honest in life. And that's why you have to learn in those places, in those spaces, whatever it's an acting coach or a, know, or a friend of yours or a director that you work with a lot, where you go there to fuck it up, where you go there to work without the need and the pressure of the result. When you go to a place where you are virgin, where you're like, okay, Nobody's expecting me to do it well. I'm here just to learn how to fuck it up and rise from the ruins <laughs> with the only flag of uh, honesty. Honesty. Honesty means to really, yeah, destroy everything that you know in order to be more present, knowing that you don't know shit. That's honesty. That's why it's so hard for us to be honest in the world, in, in our daily life, because we have to protect ourselves and, and we have to protect others. And that's why we lie so much. We do so many lies during the day. Soft lies, tough lies, and some horrible lies as well, but because we need to protect who we are for others and what are others for us. When you play a character, you have to give up on that and, and be nude, naked, there. And that's why we love it and we are, we are so hooked into it. Because it may be the only time in the day where we are honest. <laughs> That's even if we are fascinating. Even if we are lying, even if we are performing, even if we are faking, we are honest. And that's what every actor uh, look for, to be honest in that moment. And maybe your honesty will end up there that day. And you go back to your own self and you play the game and whatever. But uh, it was so relieving to be you for a second. Even if you were Pablo Escobar, and you were violent, and you were dealing with your rage and your need of destroying, well, that's yours as well. So at least you, you let that be shown with no shame. No? God, you say that, and I think of you acting across from your wife, <laughs> and you're saying... Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you're saying is that the emotions you've gotten to and you've expressed across to another actor are completely real. Yes. And then I think of you doing that to your wife <laughs> and, and her back to you. And I mean, is there communication going on that's totally different from what's mm. happening for the film where you're seeing more of her and she's seeing more of you in those moments in some ways? Totally. And what I said that is tough, is tough for her. There in this particular movie, Loving Pablo, he, she has an amazing emotional journey from end to, from beginning to end where she discovers not only the monster in me, in Pablo, but the monster in her that fell in love with that other monster. Because otherwise it would be impossible for you to fall in love with someone that you know it's a monster, unless you have a monster in you that is attracted to that other monster. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Otherwise we're talking about right, Snow White and the Wolf. I mean, that's Disney World. In the real life, yes, she was a victim. Of course, she was a victim, but also she was caught in something that she was aware or not aware, I don't know, but she wanted to be there in some way. 
And there are a couple of scenes that are very emotionally intense in the movie. And those scenes you cannot prepare at home. We don't want to prepare at home. We you prepare don't. with the director. Right. But then you have to go there and just say, okay, what's going to happen now is fiction. Do you have that conversation? Yeah, yeah, of course. You, you have do. to have that. What's, what's going to happen now is fiction. I'm going, I'm going to try to go as far as the role and, and the moment requires. And how do you feel with that? And she will say, yes, I want to do that as well. I'm saying that I will say that to her first because it's me in the scenes who are doing the approach of abuse to her. And then we know it's a fiction world, but then you bring out your thing and, and she reacts to that. And there's a part of you within yourself that thinks, is that real? Isn't that real? I mean, of course, we are humans. But then you stay there floating in that fictionary world that is very intense and hard to take, for her especially. And when you land, okay, it's a wrap. Let's go back home. You give flowers and chocolates and say, that was a lie. <laughs> but it was the truth. But it was the truth. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's part of my truth as a human being. No, not towards you, but it's... it's I have that. I have that aggressivity in me. I have that rage in me. I have that hate in me, but not towards you. Gosh, towards and if you don't really show it to her, then you're, then you're being untrue to your, yourself as an artist. Yeah. And if you really show it to her, you could be screwing up your whole marriage. <laughs> exactly. But then she will show some other things of hers. I read something you said a few years ago. You said that sometimes the fiction becomes reality for the actor mm -hmm. and I think you were I think you were talking about beautiful mm -hmm. yes and and I wonder how that is on on the the very situation you're talking about because you're saying oh, I'm gonna go here and this is but then you're also struggling with that idea that it is becoming reality for you mm -hmm. and I would think that would take some discussion of basic terms like do you think that's overall a a helpful thing to have yes. your partner do the same thing as you? I think we are lucky that we can do that and we knew each other in doing that and I knew her when she was 16 and she knew me when I was 21 starting to do the same movie together. Did she know you pre-face? Uh, no. <laughs> That's well, even more who, impressive. Who told you that the face before it was pretty? <laughs> maybe it was even uglier. <laughs> That's why maybe that was my lucky day <laughs> that those guys had it on me. So laughs no. on them. <laughs> Cheers to those guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but the fact that we do the same job is great uh, uh, for the purpose that, first of all, that we do the same job and we both work. Because if we do the same job and one of them works and the other doesn't, whatever the work is, but if it's the same work, it's tough for the one who doesn't have the opportunity to show her or his skill. No, we are blessed. That's true. It's it's oh, yeah. very uncommon to find two people that are on the same level. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. We are blessed that we can make a living, both of us, independently, doing the the thing that we like the most and we love the most, and. Uh, and in that term, it's great because you don't have to explain anything. She knows. And uh, she goes to shoot uh, the counselor that I did also a, a, a role there. And she has a bad scene with Michael Fassbender. 
which is the hottest guy on earth. He's a handsome dude. She doesn't have to, she doesn't have to explain to me that it's all fake. <laughs> <laughs> because I know that it's all fake. But I was in the rehearsal, and I was on the set, <laughs> making sure that it was all fake. Fassbender. <laughs> hey, come on, Michael. Six inches back. He was laughing so hard, because they were rehearsing the scene, uh, the dialogue with really, and I just get in the room and sit down near them, like, okay, no, no, keep, keep rehearsing. I want to see your eyes, man. <laughs> you, you need to just show up on set with the oxygen tank and the dart. Exactly. <laughs> just stand there. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting because I guess there's an argument to be made that to know too much about someone else's job can, like, in the wrong circumstances, that could be tough, too. Right. Tell me about the most obsessed or uh-huh. deep dive you've ever taken to prepare for a role and what that looked like and, and looking back on that what, that, what that must have been to people around you. I did a movie called Ecstasies uh, in uh, 1994. So and, you were pretty uh, young. Yeah, and uh, it's the story of three uh, kids, friends that live in nowhere, in a hut in the middle of nowhere, and one of them understands that his father, who he never knew, is a rich, powerful theater director with a lot of money. So they plan to go and steal from him. And then he falls in love with that father and betray his friends. And because they were living out in the woods and wherever, we went to live in the woods. I was going to live in the woods. I didn't take a shower for 10 days because they didn't have showers. And I, uh, and I, I didn't take ecstasy because I don't do drugs. But uh, because in the movie, there's a moment where they take drugs. Uh, but it was kind of leaving the, the thing. And I remember the first day of shooting, I was so exhausted. <laughs> of, of, and I, it smelled so bad <laughs> that I had to take a shower, clean my face, sleep, and I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to say the lines because I was exhausted. And I said, what the fuck, man? All the work that I've done for nothing. So that day I realized, hold on. Grab your energy and focus it in the right direction. For some other actors, it may work. Fine, great, beautiful. For me, it doesn't. When you are 24-7 in one thing, it doesn't make you a better actor. It makes you more psychotic. It makes me more psychotic, more neurotic, to a point where I go, okay, I just did my best scene, and the camera is off <laughs> because they were not rolling. So why, what difference does it make if you are doing something? I understand that you have to inhabit the character in order to be comfortable, so when they say action, you are on the move. Yeah. But when they say bye-bye, see you tomorrow, see you tomorrow. Uh, Otherwise, it doesn't make me a better actor. Is it different each time to, like, your process of getting there, where you feel ready? Or do you do sort of the same things every time? I know when the thing is going in the right direction, which is when I don't have any sense of time and I don't have a sense of self. What do you mean? We are here and now I'm talking to you and I'm more relaxed than in the beginning and I like you very much in the sense that you are making me feel very very comfortable. I like you very much. And we are talking about things that I consider interesting. So I'm more relaxed than in the beginning. And I know that that is a good direction to take when you are talking to someone or when you are doing a role, rather than being too conscious and too aware of how do I sit, how do I look, uh, does my English sound okay? Uh, that's wrong. That's a wrong direction to take. So I know what that when I am acting, and then 
my head is not in the picture anymore, my body is free, I go, okay, something is happening. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. It may be a piece of shit on camera, but at least it's real. It's relaxed. It's so coming. it's a feeling. You feel it, yes. It's, right. it's not a thought. It's never a thought. It's always a feeling. So is, is your prep more like experimenting? Yes. Is it fun for you or is it little anxiety provoking until you know how you're going to do it? Oh, yeah. Anxiety is on the process all day long. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not present. Anxiety and the need of knowing and the need of being approved by the directors or is there. It's how you cope with that. It's not that it's not there. It's going to be there all the time until the day I die with every role that I'll do. It's like uh, there's a part, there will always be a part of me saying, did I do right? Did I do right? Did I do what you were expecting? I mean, of course, that's okay. You have to live with that. But the thing is, how willing are you to go to a place where you don't know what's going to happen? How are you, are you willing to walk the line without net? And if you fall, you break in pieces? And I say, yes, I want to do that. But also, I have a net, which is the camera and the directors, and they can say, cut. <laughs> but when your performance is committed to film forever, and yeah. maybe you get three takes and the director says, we have it, and you say, no, no, wait a <laughs> no we don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so pain in the ass in that sense. Really? And Penelope is as well. There's a scene in that movie, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, where I approach these two uh, girls on a bar, Scarlett and Rebecca Hall. The first time you meet them? Yes. Yes. That day was a tough day for me because, speaking of security, I have to play this guy that thinks of himself as somebody cool, handsome, attractive enough to go to those girls. Where is that in me? <laughs> so it took me a while to get there. That's and so I play funny. It, I, and I play it really under, I don't know how to say the word, like, I'm not going to play that because I don't know how to play that. I'm going to play something that I may know how it feels like which is, listen, I got this. You want it, fine, you don't want it, I'll, it's fine as well. You played it with a little detachment. Yeah, exactly. And, but I, until I got there, uh, we did a lot of takes. In those moments when you need more takes, can it turn on itself where all of a sudden you feel like I'm not finding it and, and mm. it could get worse? One of the things that took me a while and some strength from my side in Spain is to make everybody understand on set that we need silence. Silence is the grounds of any actor work. We need silence. And a movie set is everything but silence. Yeah. And when you ask for silence, people think of you like a diva. Oh, here comes the artist. Here's hey, the man, guy. I have to do this. Yeah. No. That you were talking about earlier that thinks he's better exactly. than everyone. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that my thing is more important than your thing, but when you are doing this, I'm not in the middle uh, of the nail doing, hey! trying to fuck up your work. <laughs> but if you're talking, you're fucking up my work. So let's respect each other. And silence is the ground of any actor's concentration. And I think when the things are not going in the right way, the more silence we need. We don't need people telling you what to do. That's so interesting. First off, because you watch that movie and you are that guy, 100%, mm -hmm. that both those girls would fall in love with. <laughs> and, That's and the those, movie magic. But hearing you describe that you didn't know how to play the guy who, no. who could get those women and that made you insecure about the job you're doing as an actor yeah. right when you're supposed to be portraying someone that has so much security. Totally. And, uh, and I guess 
like in life, I guess the security that I portray is the security of a man who is fine with his own insecurity. That's the great mystery of acting to me is, is that, that gap between the page and the performance <laughs> and who's responsible for that gap, you know? I mean, obviously the actors are part of it, the yeah. director is part of it, but, but that gap is the mysterious part. That's the, that's the trigger, no? The, that's why it's so important, the, the, the words and the script. A good script with good dialogues, good words, trigger your imagination to a non-stand place. Where like, wow, you imagine, it's so rich, you take Shakespeare. It's so complicated, but those words, those images—I mean, your body full of fulfill of images and sensations and things that you go, okay, now how do I put them in order? Because the images that this author is giving me are so strong and so beautiful that I want to be able to make them see them, make right. the audience see them. But when you are working with a shitty script, <laughs> oh my god. You go like, okay, what do I do in order to show what it needs to be shown, knowing that I have these dialogues or this, circus, uh, this situation that doesn't add anything? It's hard. And that's when the fight comes. And that's why it's better not to get into a process where you are not in love with what you're doing and with the words and the scenes that you are going to play, because otherwise that fight is going to be ugly. Well, it sounds like that honesty has to start with saying yes or saying no to a project in the first mm -hmm. place, right? Yeah, like yeah. you have to be honest with yourself and say, yeah. because I would think the ego would get in the way there too. Oh, many things. The ego, the fear, the insecurity of not being called again, uh, the paycheck, the, the landscape of what it may come or may not come in the future. So all those things. And then, listen, I do Pirates of the Caribbean and I do because they pay me well but also because it's fun to do, and what the hell? I want to be in a pirate ship with the sword fighting against Jack Yeah, Sparrow. and $170 million exactly. to play with. And, and see what is that, and it's like a Disney ride. Right. And it's, it was fun, it I It actually was it. a Disney ride. It was a Disney Before ride. it was a movie. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a Disney ride, and they pay you for that, and my kids can see it not now because it's fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, like with the blood and all that, but. Uh, well, I think of you going to all that jazz, Yes, yeah, maybe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All that just is way scarier. It's way scarier than Pirates of the Caribbean, for sure, at that age. But uh, you do that, and you're fine, and you want to bring your honesty and your truth and create a character that is interesting and exciting to see, period, fine. But you don't ask that uh, material to have something that doesn't belong to that material. But when you are trying to do the material that is in that realm and it doesn't have it, then you have a problem. And you better, I better, I prefer not to do it if I can pass on that. As Meryl Streep said, Meryl Streep said a career is made by the no's, the rejections, more than the, the movies that you make. I read that you turned down Minority Report. I did turn, out, uh, turn down Minority Report because I wasn't ready. I was scared. I, did I mean, Steven Spielberg's directing yeah. it. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and, and, and Colin Farrell. Took yeah, Colin Farrell, yeah. But I wasn't... First of all, I met Steven Spielberg, which is, uh, and I told him, I've seen E.T. 24 times on screen. on that movie theater. I swear to God. And the second movie that I, see, I saw the most, Riders of the Lost Ark. And then I met Steven Spielberg. How, how about that? I was like, Ugh! and he's great, funny, nice, caring, humble, and beautiful, and very funny, very funny. And, and, and so you said, I won't be in your movie. 
I won't meet you. <laughs> no, but then I just came out of Before Night Falls. It was my first English language movie. I didn't speak English enough. I know that I speak it now, but you, you, more or less. You speak much better English than I speak Spanish. <laughs> well, but uh, imagine how was this like 10, or more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And then he gave me this opportunity and I felt like, no, I can't do this now because it's not going to be fun for me. I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm going to be stuck in the pressure of being in a big movie with you, speaking in a foreign language that I don't control yet, doing something that is not my type of movie, meaning because it's, science fiction is not my kind of movie that I will go and see, even though I saw E.T. 24 times. 24 <laughs> times, but it's more like science fiction. It's, it's No, a, that's a, uh, it's oh, a family story. Exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a story of a... I think it's a story of a kid with no father. That's why it got the impact on me. It's like the kid of trying to find a father figure through the friendship of, of this entity, of this thing that he doesn't know how to phrase, doesn't know where to put it on, and, and becomes the, the biggest love he's ever felt for someone. And, and he has to leave. And he has to leave. The separation, no? The, he's not present anymore. It's tough. Um, oh, and uh, so I wasn't ready, but you will think of an Spaniard who doesn't know, who nobody knows, rejecting Steven Spielberg. I don't think Steven is happy about that. Well, I'll let you know, he was so nice, so generous, so understanding, so like, of course, if you don't see yourself, it's fine. It will be some other time. It was so caring that I was very impressed because, again, shows you that the, the strongest, the, the real people with real talent are great people. Usually are great people that are very humble and very grounded and very uh, in touch with, with empathy, with that word that we used back in the beginning. I am so um, impressed and shocked that that kind of opportunity would land in your lap and and you would have the wherewithal at that age to turn it down mm -hmm. for the long view of the career. It's about having the time to enjoy it and, having the, and also being able and being sure that you're going to give to that person that gave you his trust something that he's looking for. And if you don't feel you are the man in that moment, why would you put yourself in that position because of uh, ambition? Yes, you can do that, it's fine, but not me because it's gonna, be, it's gonna be painful. It's gonna be painful. There's gonna be a moment where, again, honesty will happen, and you will see, honestly speaking, that it was a wrong choice, <laughs> because I can't deal with that. I can deal with the pressure that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm not used to, a language that I don't control, the fascination with a director that I am so like that. No, it's not, it's not right in that moment. Funny, the way you come off is... Uh, I never spoke this much with anyone. Really? About this thing. Never. Well, well good. I, uh, it's fascinating. But since you're listening, I guess unconsciously is related, which is, again, uh, are you able to really overcome yourself, overcome your own limits to do something that will reach someone in a different level? Are you willing to go there? Are you prepared to do that? Uh, and they, then you have to be honest with your answer, yes or no. Beyond the ambition and beyond the wanting to be there. 
like in the case of Steven Spielberg, which would have been an amazing moment. And I, I still go like, I wish one day I would work with him because he's a fantastic director. You know? Yeah, he was like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was very nice. <laughs> no, he was, and we have a project in common now about uh, Cortez that we are producing together, so hopefully it will happen. You uh, should turn him down for Cortez, <laughs> just for like five minutes. <laughs> no. But um, uh, when I saw Raging Bull with my father on, uh, on a TV, though, because uh, it was on TV, I, I remember being shocked by the look, the movie, blah, blah, blah. I was young, and I said, who was that? fighter and he said no he's an actor I said no he's not an actor who is that boxer I mean the the guy that he's an actor what do you mean he's an actor but he did this thing of being strong and fit and boxing and he he's a boxer and then he was this whale of morbid presence so violently present and who is that guy that's the same actor wow yeah that gave me an impression of you can go there. I want to go there. And I guess if, if I have to think why, would I, why did I think that way, it's because, as I said before, actors, sometimes we, we need to understand our own grounds, on our, our own heresy, family, socially, personally, by playing some other people that may tell us something. And I say, teenager or kid that I was, it was like, maybe if I go there, I will understand more about this, my life, my background, my relationship with my father, my relationship with my mother. Unconsciously, I'm thinking, you know? And I guess it's not that we use that for our own purpose. It's that we want to understand things that we don't know how to get there, and we want to do it through an artistic uh, shape rather than sit down and write about it. Or be analytical. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah, that's fascinating. And that you could pick up on that from watching a performance, that this, this desire to find truth through, yeah. through other people's uh, viewpoints. Exactly. That's yeah. fascinating. Well, uh, listen, I, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> I, I, like, I think this should be Me part too. one of a series. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I, I have loved your work. And Thank you, Sam. You're so sweet. I, I love your work as well. And I love that you have this space, this program, this show, where you can sit down and talk and listen to each other about something that is not more important than any other thing, but it's important as well, which is the expression of, of, a, of an art discipline like movie making or because it's in our hearts and we are keep on going to see movies and it's important and if we go there it's because it means a lot to us whether we whether we accept it or not it means a lot to us well other than the Oscars and the you know the home in Madrid and the mm -hmm. the wonderful life you lead I think we have a lot in common in terms of you know wanting to find our own humanity through sure. through the stories of others and and it's just it's fascinating talking to you so thank you for doing this thank you Sam thank you for doing what you do hey folks that's our show that was a real treat for me I was a little worried that Javier was going to be a little more like his character in No Country for Old Men, but as you all heard, he is a beautiful and open artist, and that was a fascinating conversation. You know, make sure you check out Loving Pablo, and 
all of his other work. Each one is an immersive experience. Some of my favorites are The Sea Inside, Beautiful, No Country for Old Men, and of course, Skyfall, if you're just in for a rollicking good time with a seriously weird, villainous performance by Javier. And if you want a seriously not weird, not villainous experience, head on over to offcamera.com. For only $4.99 a month, you can see every one of these episodes on any device as many times as you'd like. It's a great way to catch up on the show and to really dive into these artists' stories. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, help us out by taking a minute, going to iTunes, and subscribing and leaving us a review and a rating. Anything five stars and above is acceptable. But seriously, when you subscribe to the show and when you leave us a rating and a review, it allows more people to find out about off-camera. So don't keep it to yourself. If you like the show, tell your friends, take a minute, help us out on social media. We are Off Camera Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Sam Jones Pictures on Instagram, and I am Sam Jones on Twitter. So if you want to suggest a guest, that's a great place to do it. Or if you just want to tell the world about the show, we appreciate all the help. Now, I want to thank our incredibly hardworking and dedicated staff who make this show possible. Crawford Chippy, Nathan Shields, Michaela Galvin, Sasha Snow, Kara Johnson, and Matt Davidson, who is recovering nicely from his recent bout with uh, chiggers. Get well soon, Matt. And be sure to join me next time, off camera.